welcome back to another great episode of comedians in bed and as always i have another great guest here for us today now you know i always go ahead and give a great introduction and when i came across this dude's page man he's freaking hilarious and i'm so glad that we have him on the show here today not to just make us laugh but to give us more information on how to be better comedians right here as you can see this guy has no blemishes no pimples on his skin i'm gonna ask the scare the skin care routine too so don't worry we're gonna get that all covered please welcome to the show everybody samson mccormick everybody hey 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 what's good man um grateful to be here <laughs> how are you doing today man first of all let's ask that i'm blessed i'm, I'm any any day we're alive and, and and can do it again is a good day so i'm i'm good yeah man i i definitely agree i definitely agree i'm glad i'm talking to you man because um yeah my job is pissing me off i was like i need to i need to have some last <laughs> yeah i know you ever been on that spot of your career where you'd be like man how much longer do I got to do this? Like, you know. Well, I think um, that means either one or two things. It either means you really care about what you're doing, uh, or it's draining you. And so I think you have to look at uh, what the root cause is, and then go from there. Yeah, I think it's working for the white man. I think that's what it is, really. Oh yeah, white. <laughs> it's never fun working for white men. <laughs> because man, I be wanting to go to work in sweats and stuff, and you can't do it. You got to dress all proper and stuff, and it's like, is it really that deep? Like, as long as the work is done, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But as we was talking beforehand, I want to get back into it because you was about to give me some some good advice. Um, you had asked me where I was at and the point of my career. And I'm doing this right now because I know me, I will forget. So <laughs> he was asking me where I was at in the point in my career. And right now I'm three years in. And like I told you, I'm like working to get myself into um, comedy clubs on a regular basis, like book shows, not just open mics and uh, starting to submit for festivals. And one of the things that I said, I told you is that I feel as if some of these festivals, um, they kind of just already have who they want and they just take your money basically to fund the festival that's at least that's what i feel i'm not saying that i'm good enough that i should be on but just seeing it and stuff like that that's kind of how i feel and then you were about to give me some advice about that oh yeah yeah um what a lot of festivals are well first i gotta say congratulations on three years um, I appreciate that. <laughs> you know that that first year in comedy can is sometimes a climb uh especially now these days I'm, I'm glad i started my career when i did because it would have been different starting now so um navigating now is 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 uh it deserves props i think yes. serious props um as far as the festivals go i mean of course they're money grab a lot of them are money grab and i think you just have to be very intentional about what festival it is that you want to get into. And I think that the easiest thing to do is if it's one that you can get to is just to show up to the festival and introduce yourself to people. Um, sometimes by doing that, you can get on a festival and you won't have to pay. You know, you're there at a show and you meet somebody and you say, hey, you know, I'm tired. Yeah. I like what you're doing and they oh you want to do five minutes you want to do 10 minutes somebody dropped out somebody didn't show up I think that's the the easiest way um from there I mean it's it really is all about working your way from the ground up because um you know a lot of the festivals now they'll do things like they'll say oh well we want more black comedians or we want more women or we want more you know, uh, Asian or Pacific Islander comedians or more gay comedians, and they'll put it out there. You know, if you don't have representation or you want to get in the festival, send us your tape. But they aren't looking at your tape. Yeah. They will do that so they can say, no, we, we you know, but it's still a bunch of white men on the show, maybe two two women. Yeah. And so it's, it's politics. Yeah. Also saw that somebody said that because I usually do Google Drive just because it's easier for me and I make sure that it is that anybody can watch it. Um, but I did hear somebody say to 
um put it on youtube because you can actually see if well you can actually get numbers to see if they actually watch it instead of like wasting your time yes that's how i found out they don't watch the tapes <laughs> <laughs> so i was like all right cool but like the thing about because i try i think the first time i tried to submit to one i try to put it on youtube and it just um I don't know. I just didn't. I was just that was at a point where I wasn't ready for everybody to like see my jokes. But now I don't care. Now I post on YouTube all the time. So that's that's why I took it off. I was like, nah, I'm not. I'm not gonna do that. Plus, like I was just a little too like thinking too much about like people that might follow me from like different backgrounds, like church and stuff like that. Like you know, so. But I don't really care no more. <laughs> you can't care. I mean, the people at church, they go home and they talk probably worse than you talk. So <laughs> do your stuff. Yeah. So, Sebson, man, I'm so glad we got you here on the show today. Once again, thank you for your time. What? Um, how long have you been in comedy and where are you at right now in your comedy career? Oh, man. So I've been doing comedy in August. It'll be 22 years uh, that I've been doing comedy. And where I'm at my career, I think, is... Um, realizing how important it is to help other people which that's not an easy realization to come to because i mean obviously you want success for yourself but uh being a comedian who both is black and you know i was one of the first black gay comedians really out in the game doing it um i i recognize if i would have had more people championing for me not just in the business, but also if I would have had like a family who said, we got your back, we believe in what you're doing. I would probably be a lot further and, and there are a lot of um, experiences that I would have had that did make me stronger, but I wouldn't have had to go through that. I would have believed in myself more. I would have felt safer um, because I do think a sense of security is important, you know, um, when you are pursuing something you know you need to be doing um but that's where i'm at it's just um you know even after 22 years i'm still growing it's it's like any other relationship you know you have to fall in love over and over again mm. yeah yeah one thing i've realized i don't think i realized it until i started doing comedy and seeing like the the diverse backgrounds of so many people i'm from i'm from columbus and it's it's very uh diverse here so like when i go to like mics and stuff you know you'll see like pansexuals you'll see trans you'll see black asians white all that type of stuff but then when you look on tv you don't really see that same representation now it's starting to change um but one thing i necessarily don't like is the fact that we don't have any black gay people and the reason why i say that is because i don't think it's because um of like sexual orientation i just think it's because you guys are like fucking hilarious and it's like that would make the most sense to like, like we all like all girls like you know real housewives of atlanta um beverly hills housewives like they all got like gay friends and they make the show and it's like why aren't these people getting the opportunities that they need to shine and show their talent besides of like showing up and just checking the box you know yeah um Oh, I forgot to tell you. So I'm from D.C., but I live in L.A. I forgot to tell you that. Okay, 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 okay. Um, yeah, you know, again, when I when I was starting, there were no, is there were many, especially like gay comedians who weren't white. Um, yeah. and and then I I think maybe five or ten years ago, no, about eight years ago, it's like I woke up and I'm like, whoa. You know, where did all these folks come from? And I was threatened by it, not not talent wise, because I know I'm a great comedian, but it was. If there were only a couple of us and it was hard to get work and it's a bunch of us, how is anybody going to get work? Right. Um, and so I really had to I really had to challenge myself to to celebrate other people like, uh, for instance, we have Gerard Carmichael now. And uh, if Gerard Carmichael would have came out <laughs> five or ten years ago, I would have probably dropped dead. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've grown to a point where 
I can look at somebody like that and and even though because he dates white guys, so I'm pretty sure that helps him a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, but even still being able to say, I know the type of challenges that we go through. And um, you know, to see somebody like that get to where he just he just hosted the the Golden Globes or something. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't want him to come out again. Like, like he was buying first and then he was gay and i'm like okay dog like let this be the last time like i'm happy i'm proud of you i'm such a fan but like please don't come out again like just but i guess it's all a process i don't know like maybe he was just bisexual and then he was like all right no i'm gonna be you know gay gay um no he he probably was was gay uh but when you tell somebody you're bi especially as a black person i think it's more palatable because um, you know, if you go, oh yeah, I'm by, you know, about oh, you a wild nigga, you know, but they still think that you're gonna end up with a woman. Yeah, and um, that's a lot easier. Um, you know, than for somebody to go, oh, you know, I like dudes, because then they yeah. what the hell wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see your perspective now. I get it. Um, so did you start doing comedy in DC, or did you start when you was in LA? Yeah, I started in D.C. Uh, back in the early 2000s uh, at Teddy's House of Comedy. Um, it was in Gallery Place, Chinatown, and it was uh, Teddy Carpenter, who is a legendary deaf comedy jam comedian. It was his club. And um, I'm, I'm happy that I started there because that was like one of those raw hard deaf comedy jam rooms where you had to go you had to be funny you had to be serious about what you were doing and that gave me the grit that i needed to um you know being in the business as long as i have what um how was doing comedy in dc versus doing comedy in la what's the difference that's easy Doing comedy on the East Coast, period. If you are funny, you will get booked all the time. Period. It doesn't matter what you've been on. It doesn't matter um, who you are. If you're funny and you want to get on clubs, uh, you want to get down to a club or get on on uh, shows or stages seven nights a week, you can. Whereas in L.A., um, it, you can, but the bigger shows sometimes they want to know how many people you can bring what you've been on and that sort of thing and 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 in la there are more people who do comedy who do it not because they love comedy they do it because they want to get on tv or whatever and so a lot of those people i don't like to i don't like to judge people's talent because that's not my job but but (laughs) um I think they are better suited for maybe acting on a um, a soap opera or something than doing comedy. I just say that. Two different ends of the spectrum. Okay. <laughs> That's me being nice and positive. Uh, you know, but, but those folks, they, for one, they may know casting directors. They may be able to, you know, get other people on TV. And so it's like that political thing oh well i can put this person on the show who maybe doesn't love comedy but they got tv connections or they they're on a show right now so there's that or you know they got a million instagram followers Mm -hmm. they haven't studied comedy they don't know what a setup or a punchline is um you know they don't know any of the technical terms they don't know how to perform but they meet all these other superficial requirements. So you deal with more of that out here. And um, again, I think it, it takes a level of savvy. You definitely need to be hilarious. Like um, there are some shows that I get on and I may not meet some of the other technical requirements because I um, I just, there's certain games I don't play. But when I get on that show, I'm definitely gonna blaze that stage while I'm on it. Yeah, yeah. One question I wanted to ask is, how do you make 
a name for yourself with everybody that's in the city of angels like how do you make a name for yourself and establish you know yourself as a working artist in la uh just focus it on you you know i think people get caught up in in competition and that's one of the worst things you can do um you know again and this is me speaking from experience one of the things that saved me is i know i know i'm sometimes it scares me how talented i am um and so i know that but there are some people they may not believe in their talent enough um there are some people who think that they have to play a certain game and you know there is a a a, a, a quote that says the best way to win a game is not play it <laughs> so when you come out here focus on you uh focus on focus on what it is that you bring to the craft of comedy and don't worry about what this person is doing or what that other person is doing be happy for them and focus on what you're doing that's how you do it um you know have positive conversations with yourself to you know to yourself um even when when you get discouraged you know you still got to cheer yourself on a lot of a lot of folks some folks come out here with other people that they know people some people like me i came here by myself i had to be my own cheerleader mm-hmm. and so um it's very important that you do that and that you keep good company around you it's it really comes down to it's a, it's a delicate balance of um you know, making making career decisions for for yourself that makes sense, that feel good to you, and also taking care of yourself personally, like mind, body, and spirit. Yes, yes. What made you move to uh, LA? We, I'm playing. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was in the Bay Area. Hold on now. The weed, the, the weed actually there is actually pretty fire. I've tried it yes the weed out here is is pretty strong i had to stop smoking it because it was too strong um but i was in the bay area for five years and then i just moved down here Uh, i was i was uh in a relationship with somebody for about five years and then when that relationship ended i just came to la okay now one thing you mentioned is to study comedy and i feel like i study comedy like i i'll watch comedy specials and sometimes what i'll try to do it I'll do it kind of like how my acting coach told me how to do acting. Like, I'll, I think he's it or somebody else, but um, like, I'll watch, I'll watch it with first. I'm just looking for like production value, like, cause that's going to like get my attention or not. And then I'm looking, I'll put the captions on to like see how you wrote it. And then after that, I'm just watching as a fan. And then sometimes I might read like books on how to write jokes and things of that nature. How do you like, actually like study comedy because when you hear those jokes sometimes you think you might write something you think it's your joke but it's also somebody else's joke yeah uh i have always been very hands-on i even now um i can write comedy but but my stuff is uh words like you know it might be a word and it may be several things attached to that word several thoughts um it may be a setup it may be a punchline and then i need to put the setup to it figure out what the setup is and so i have to go get on stage and and say it um i'm really good at talking to people so i'm not really afraid of bombing or anything like that because i know i'm not gonna bomb you know the least i will get is it, it won't be you know what i'm used to but I think you just have to really get comfortable standing up there. This is just me, my, my method. And saying it because, in my opinion, my personal philosophy is the best laughs that anybody has always comes from sitting at a table talking to one of your friends um, or in a car, you know, you sitting in the car down in the Walmart parking lot, smoking a joint with your with one of the homies or whatever, y'all laughing, kicking it, you know, or you visiting your auntie and she talking shit, you know, those are where your best laughs come from. And so 
I work to make the jokes that I do on stage as organic as possible. The best way to do that is get as close to how it is that you really speak and think as possible. Because yeah. I think some writing for some people works. You know, some people they need that they need that structure. If that works for you, that works for you. But I personally think it's important to get as close to your voice, that that voice that you have that made you go, I can do this. So that voice that you have, um, you know, that that had your classmates and your best friends and your siblings or whatever telling you, oh, my God, you should be a comedian. You want to get close to that. I think it is good to look at other comedy specials, too. Um, but if you look at them, I always go for the blueprints. Old school will always be the standard. So, you know, um, Red Fox, who's my favorite, um, Richard Pryor, Dick Gregory, Paul Mooney, uh, Moms Mabley, Bill Cosby, uh, The Wayans, In Living Color. The thing you really want to focus on is timing, pacing, delivery, structure, uh, exaggeration, simplicity. There's so many different technical aspects of it that you want to focus on. And I think if you know that, that's what makes it funny as opposed to, oh, this person is up on stage talking funny. Because now comedy, the, the, the craft of it, not even the craft of it, the business of it, you know, as far as what is produced in mass has gotten very safe. Mm -hmm. And so when you try to get too safe with comedy, it's not going to be funny because comedy is not about protecting people's feelings. Comedy is about going for the throat, saying what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thing about cadence. Um, cadence kind of messes me up. Sometimes I'll say something like, sometimes I feel like my sentences are too long. So then the first thing I'll do is be like, all right, what words can we cut to make this cadence more um, flow better. And then sometimes I'll have to say it one way, another way, or say it a different way. How do you come up with the cadence or is it just generally how you speak? Mm. I think whatever gets you to the joke most effectively, you know, I think you find the cadence there. Um, I think you do want to cut fat off jokes. You don't want to you know, go on and on and on and on and on too much. But I think whatever gets you to the that that punchline, you know, that that strong punch, whatever gets you there most effectively, you want to stick to that. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I am learning in the process of right now is learning uh, my audience. So like if I have like I can make any crowd laugh, but sometimes I may struggle with millennials in my age group like 27 to 32 or whatever but like if i if i'm in an audience full of older black people i can make them laugh so when it comes to different audiences like sometimes i'm getting to the point now where i'll be like okay i'm seeing this crowd i think i'm going to change my whole set and then sometimes i'll be like nah i'm gonna keep it you know what i'm saying so when you see different crowds are you just going up there doing you or you be like all right this this crowd is this way today i'm gonna do things a little differently cool uh, well, millennials don't think anything is funny. They so don't. <laughs> they they'll they'll text it to you. You should you should have a thing up on the screen behind you so they can text LOL. Crack a joke. Um, I think you have to you have to do what works for you, what feels good for you, um, what feels solid for you. That's what it comes down to. Um, where, you know, you know how you see some comedians who come out and it's like, they come out and it's like right away, like they, they're lighting that audience on fire. It's like they come out and those comedians are so set in what it is that makes them funny that they cannot be moved 
by any audience because they know they dictate to the audience what's funny. And you have to get to that point. Um, most people are followers. Most people are waiting to see if the person next to them is laughing um, because they know, but they might not think that it's safe or, um, or you know, it's to a point now where people are so programmed to make sure it's okay before they do anything. They want to see if somebody retweets something first. They want to see if somebody laughs at it first. And so it is up to you as the person up there on that stage that dictates to the audience it is what it is and not be moved by their response yeah yeah no i agree because i actually um it's another podcast that i comedian podcast that i watch and they have like a live stream where you can like for an hour they'll have a live stream where you can put like jokes in there and they'll give you feedback and it was a new joke i was like i've I know you guys do this, but I've never participated, so I'll participate. And I just threw out like a one-liner, and they didn't think it was funny, and that's and I fine. Uh, but his his advice was like, if this is the brand, if like you got to be mindful of like what kind of what you want to be known for, and and he was like, and you could just do better. And I was like, okay, cool, bet. But I was like, I do want to be known for this. <laughs> this is like this is. You know what I'm saying? So I took it with a grain of salt because I'm like, he don't he don't know me personally. But um, yeah, I was like, this is what I want to be known for. And I, and it kind of discouraged me to like go to open mic and try it. And I haven't yet. But um, I think you do got to like know who you are and just be your authentic self and people going to vibe with it. And if they do, they do. And if they don't, they don't. That's why I feel like some people like when like a dream like ours like being a comedian an actor a rapper whatever it's so common but there's eight billion people in the world so everybody's not going to connect with just one type of style like there's different styles and i just yeah you really got to go out there and just really be yourself for real for real you got to be very comfortable you have to be unwavering um i know when i go on stage i know well i'm 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 about 99% sure that I'm going to make everybody in that room laugh. Maybe not at the same things, but it's going to be a facial expression. It's going to be um, a face I make. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's going to be something I say. Uh, and that I think that's the, the attitude that you have to say. But I also, I say this very humbly. I also know I'm not good at what I do. Um, and, and then, you know, your attitude also had like if somebody was to say to me oh i don't you know i don't think i'm gonna like whatever i you know they see a clip or something i remember some clip got posted and some people wanted to talk and shit about the clip um and i just thought to myself i was like oh whatever because if you come to my show you're gonna like me yeah you know, if you if you come to my show you're gonna find something interesting that i say which is i also think that's important even if they're not falling out of the chair, be interesting because they still care about what you're going to say next. Um, yeah, I think it is important to be likable, um, even if you're saying things that maybe rattle the cage a little bit. Like, um, I think there is a way to be likable doing that because some comedians like get up there and they attack the audience, and it's like a Sometimes you have to do it, but it's a certain way you have to do it. For instance, Bernie Mac on uh, Def Comedy Jam, when he debuted on Def Comedy Jam. I know you know the, the, the story about that. They had booed the comedian who came on before he did. So when he came out, you know, he came out there dancing. He's setting the tone for himself. Mm -hmm. He did that for himself. Again, like I said, to kind of within himself become solid in front of this deaf comedy jam audience again which is important you got to be solid in you and then he i'm not scared of you motherfuckers yes. <laughs> so you know he he attacked them but it was in a way that made them sit up and respect him yeah 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 and it yeah was I my fault go ahead and it was likable yeah yeah, I bombed at a show and I told him I don't give a fuck what y'all say. I'm funny. So F y'all. Like, and that's that's that was the most laugh I got. But yeah, I, I don't know 
what was wrong. But it was a learning lesson because I felt like they didn't really. They sometimes I feel like when you're uh, when you're up there, they think it's a conversation instead of just listening. You know what I'm saying? And I think when they come there and thinking like we're here for a conversation, it's not really. It doesn't trigger the laugh, and I'm was trying to figure out how to switch that. But it was a black audience, and I should have just did shorter jokes. That's what I should have did. Oh, yeah. With a black audience, they like to be yelled at verbally abused. <laughs> just a little bit. And that leads me to my next question, because uh, so before this, we were talking, and I'm, I'm assuming that you grew up in church. And one of the things that I hear pastors say is, like, stay away from people that talk about themselves a lot you know and that kind of stuck with me and now it's messing me up in my comedy because it's hard for me to talk about myself because i feel like i don't have a problem like making jokes about myself but it's just trying like being humble as a black man is hard because like so many are not <laughs> you want to you know be the opposite so it's like if i feel like if i go up there and i just talk about myself it just it, i feel like it just wouldn't connect in a sort of way i feel like if it's something like embarrassing like if i do it on myself or something like that then yeah because i'll be like oh i did that too but like i don't know that's been one of my biggest struggles is to make jokes about myself and i don't really like making jokes about other people because i feel like it's just it's not being received well i think it's a lack of my writing but i'm not you get what i'm saying like you mean talking about yourself you mean like being self-deprecating yeah okay not standing up going i'm tired and let me tell you about my day yeah You're doing that but it's just like making fun of yourself yeah yeah i don't know why that's a struggle for me but it is for some reason what about it um just just like i said like from the church like just hearing like you shouldn't talk about yourself like i don't, I think it was just i think it was be, i think it was just personal stuff like i know like growing up a lot of people didn't choose me so i had to be my own advocate mm -hmm. and i and then when i stopped doing that and was like all right whoever rock with me rock with me whoever don't don't now i was like now I'm choosing a profession where I'm talking about myself and it's like, I'm trying to, I was trying to get out of that, you know, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. That, that can definitely cause a conflict. I'm gonna tell you something really personal. Um, and it may help you understand and, and, and I don't know, it's, 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 it's complicated. So similar to you, like when I was growing up, I was, I didn't have the most people around me who chose me either. Right. And so that makes you feel, uh, you don't feel as important. Right. And so you don't feel as worthy of things. You don't feel special. And so that is something that I definitely uh, have struggled with for a long time, even unknowingly. It's kind of like, who am I to stand up in front of an audience and shine yeah, you know, and hold court? But that's a talent that I have. And so, um, you know, I think that that example you know, that we both have there, even though it's a bit different, you know, it goes to show how these seeds are kind of planted in you that do affect your trajectory in life sometimes. And so I think it's finding a balance in it. So for instance, I had to go, this is my talent. This is something that I have. I'm a good person. I do it for good reasons. I do it because I genuinely care about people. This is my contribution to society and the world. And it's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, it's it's a lot better than spending that time internally tearing myself down to a point where I'm not effective in my life. And so you, I think you have to look at it like that. Um, 
where, you know, it's of course you you find ways to respect yourself, but there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I did something really silly and I got to tell y'all about it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because what makes that funny is that there are people who everybody has done something embarrassing, has done something, has thought something, has had an experience that was like embarrassing as hell. They fell down a flight of steps in front of somebody. Um, they were having sex and they farted. <laughs> 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 something yeah. that they may not have told anybody, but if you stand up there and you go, um, you know, a cop pulled me over and I peed on myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's relatable for several reasons, but it instantly triggers this uh reaction from members of the audience because it becomes relatable to situations they've had that they ain't tell nobody about. Yeah. So even in your delivery, even if you go, all right, I, I'm, I'm gonna tell y'all something. All right, put your phone down, put your phone down. Let me tell y'all something. <laughs> Y'all, y'all ever peed on yourself? I peed <laughs> on myself, and right. now there's somebody there who did it before, and they're over in the corner laughing, and that's going to spread because people are going to start recognizing situations they've had that were embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a lot different from standing up saying, "Oh, you know, calling yourself stupid, or calling yourself dumb, or you know." I think there's a there's a difference. It's one thing to go, oh, I'm, you know, whatever, versus let me tell you all about this silly experience that I had. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes I just get, like, too in my head. Because I go up there and I told a story about um, the first time I got waxed, which was okay. an interesting story. So I've done that. <laughs> I, I do stuff like that. Um, but I feel like for me, sometimes, like, if it's an area – because growing up, I was not confident. I had low self-esteem. And I feel like I didn't get confidence and self-esteem until the pandemic. And I feel like um, when it's instance, when it's incidents where I've never been in before, then that's where I kind of like my confidence is a little shaky. I'm confident in me, but confident in how I can handle it and stuff and what to do. I'm not always so clear. So my question to you would be, you seem like you have a lot of confidence. How did you get all this confidence that you have? <laughs> oh, um, well, because that is part of the game of comedy. You got to go up there with a hell of confidence. Yeah, there's some polarity in that. There's some people who have absolutely none. <laughs> but they go up there and they don't care that they don't have it, which yeah. is confidence. Yeah, that's confidence. And it works for them. Or there are some people on that other end who are perfectly okay with who they are. And however that comes out on stage, it just, just comes out and they and they don't care. So it's it's still confidence. I think the, the murky part is in the middle, you know. Um, and for me, I think... Uh, I was just, when I was younger, I was very blindly ambitious. Um, that's what saved me was when I was young, I was just blindly ambitious. I just was, uh, you know, I, I just knew that if I wanted to do something, I would go do it. And I didn't think twice about what nobody thought or whatever. I just knew this is what I'm going to do and I'm doing it. So. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I started encountering things like, um, oh, I really had to build it by failing in a lot of ways. I think a lack of confidence comes from fear of something. Um, you usually are fearing, um, rejection or you're fearing failing or you're feeling a part of yourself that you haven't accepted yet and i think that's all it is um for instance i used to be like that with guys that i dated and 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 i have i would say this i have never dated 
no monkeys or nothing like that. All the dudes <laughs> I have dated have been some. I, I, all the dudes that I have dated, have, they could have been models. Every last one of them. Yeah, I've always dated gorgeous men, but um, because when I grew up in the '80s, where darker skinned men were told, "Oh, you're ugly if you have a bigger nose," or if you're darker skin, y'all aren't as attractive. Y'all are ugly. You know, light skinned men. You hear that growing up, and so that sticks with you. And even at almost 40 years old, I still have to have conversations with myself where I have to say, you're okay. You know, you're you're wonderful, you're great, you're beautiful, you're attractive, you're strong, all that type of stuff. Because, you know, when you plant those kinds of seeds in kids, it doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think it it can come back. It, it it usually happens in one or two ways. Either you you grow up accepting treatment that you should not accept or you go around treating other people like shit because you feel that low that you feel like you have to kick other people around to feel good about yourself yeah and so um to get to the point mine just took uh, a lot of failing it took me having to go through a couple of relationships where i was treated really badly to go okay why are you accepting this it took me um you know, seeing other people and, you know, that has started after me in my career advance further. Like, for instance, with the with the gay thing, I don't think of myself as a gay comedian. I'm just funny. But that's just one of the things that does kind of make me different a little bit. Um, but some of the clubs what 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 my perception was was that some of the clubs would not let me in even though i was qualified to headline they wouldn't let me in because i was black because i was gay Mm -hmm. and i started internalizing that i think we also are told you know by the church oh you know you're going to hell you're this you're that put that on top of it and it took me seeing these little young kids come up on Twitter who were gay and do all kinds of wild shit, headlining these clubs that have been trying to get in for 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Getting on late night, getting on shows on HBO. I've been trying to do that stuff for 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And it took that for me to deal with that insecurity that I had that would have made me mad to see another black gay person get things to go you know what well i had to deal i had to nurse those wounds but i got to a point where i was like well good for them and now i'm able to say good for them um and 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 then go okay well if this person has done that then i need to go inside and figure out what my issues are um in our business we're taught especially as black men I think, I think black women too, but I think men, um, men in general, but especially I think black men aren't really valued just as people. You know, I think people assign value to us based on what we have, what we're doing, what our social, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so coming into this business, where we don't benefit from nepotism a lot. Um, You know, we come into this business where, um, you know, if you did have a parent who who supported it, which many of our parents don't, you know, they go, oh, well, you know, just be real good. Maybe somebody will discover you, (laughs) (laughs) which is horrible advice because um, you know, you go around waiting for somebody to discover you and you should be focused on discovering yourself. Yeah. Um, and then when you do get somebody who discovers you, somebody to come around who can, you know, give you an opportunity um, that can change your career in life, you get screwed over, which I also dealt with that. And so um, I think I developed it through enduring a lot of really painful experiences. Okay okay same same <laughs> now you got this now if people haven't discovered you yet or don't know you know who you are and your stuff they can definitely discover you on your new comedy special church boy streaming on youtube how did you come up with the title 
how did you know it was time to do it what was the process like of putting this all together oh so um i had done no i think three or four comedy specials they have a bunch of them out uh but that one i don't know why i did that when i just wanted to, i'm always working on something i'm always you know i'm always like okay well we gotta do something else i just always have to have a project yeah and so um i had been touring all of 20 touring really heavy in 2019 and so when 2020 came around i was like well let me go ahead on and, and put this on a special i hadn't put one out in i hadn't put one out in uh 13 i did i did one in 2013 then i did another one in no i did one in 2012 and then 2013. so it had been uh what eight years seven or eight years so i just was like it's time yeah did, did not know when we were recording it that the very next week <laughs> the pandemic would hit and i was nervous you know because all the shows i think all this we did five shows that weekend we just recorded the one all of them were packed mm. and so i was nervous because i know that last show it was like yeah you know everybody's dying <laughs> 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 Especially if they've been in tight, hot spaces and, you know, comedy clubs are tight and hot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, well, this is the last one. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, we put it out. We put it out, uh, like, right at the height of the pandemic. And I think it genuinely is very polished and good. But because of that, it became my most streamed uh, comedy special. Hella late, but <laughs> I was trying to find it. That's good. I'm definitely gonna watch that um, when we get off. Cause I, I'm not just saying this cause you're on here. You're, you're hilarious, man. You're definitely hilarious for sure. Anybody can learn, can learn from you. And not only are you out here doing comedy specials, man. You are producing films. Like the love, the love, the one you're with now streaming on Amazon Prime. How does someone? Because we always hear people like producing, you know, like when it comes to comedy shows and stuff like that. So how did you get into producing other things and other materials and you know show your other artistic gifts? Oh, uh, because I really wanted to get on television. And <laughs> that was not working. <laughs> you know, um, as comedians, like if you want to get, you got to get on something. Um, you got to, you know, get on somebody's podcast. You got to get on somebody's sitcom. And I really wanted to do that. But, you know, I was trying really, really hard um, and it just was not happening. So and I was determined. I was determined. I said, I am getting on television. Mm -hmm. I belong on TV. And I just and I knew that and I had been trying for years. And so I said, well, fine, I'm going to write my own script. And um the first one was no 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 i kept saying it and you know so was going to auditions and stuff wasn't getting anything i was like man fuck these people yeah. <laughs> so uh i met okay so i was i knew i was determined and then i, I was i had an apartment in oakland I was trying to get a roommate uh, to, to come in. And so there was this guy who said he was a student at uh, some art school in, in San Francisco. And he, 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 he talked to me on the phone. And when he heard my voice, he said he thought I was an old Rastafarian dude that chewed on sticks and ate bean pies and sat on the porch. <laughs> and I'm like, do I really sound like that? He was like, you got like this voice. And it made me like interested in you. So he said he had Googled me just, I think he Googled me to make sure I wasn't like some scam artist or something like that. And he said, when he Googled me, he saw all this stuff. And he said uh, he wanted to come over and met, meet me. So he came over to the house, he met me. And um, he was like, um, by that time, he had actually found another spot that he wanted to, to stay in, but he said he wanted to meet me. So that was how he did it. 
he said, um, well, at my school, I am working on a film project. And I saw some of your stuff online, and I really would want you to be a part of this. So I said, okay. And we shot the film, and the film got nominated for an Oscar award in 2017. Okay. So that was that was the first one. And um and then in 2019, I wrote one and we went we went on a tour with that film. It, we, I think we did 11 cities that sold out in 10. And, uh, and then I did another one called Party and Play. That is also on Amazon Prime. And then I did Love the One You're With. See, man, you can't be denied. That talent right there, you Oscar nominated and everything. You can't even be denied, Samson. Yeah, you gotta, it's... Uh, and it, it also, th this is where I started to recognize, okay, well, and it, it really, what you will encounter in this business too sometimes is like I had friends who were working in TV. I had friends who were on shows who could have, who had pull, who could have said, hey, let's get them on a couple episodes. Mm -hmm. I had one, I thought he was a friend, um, who had me to come to set and he was working on a major show at the time. And he had all of our other friends who were like artists and they had, they, you know, they had major followings and stuff like that. But he got all of them on the show. And it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have hurt anything for them to put me on one episode of that. Because I mean, at, at that time, if I would have gotten on that show, that would have been guaranteed bookings or something. Yeah, yeah. And so, without naming any names because if i name his name you would know who he is um <laughs> he also screwed me over on another film that we did together this was one that i bought him on and um that experience hurt so badly that it helped me recognize it is important to and, and i've always been I've always believed in treat people fairly, but it, it helped me to recognize how important it is to, to um, put people on. That won't hurt you to put some people on. Like, yeah. you know, you are, you're, you're in a position, and this person was blessed. I'm talking about NAACP awards and Emmy nominations and shit. It wouldn't hurt you none to do something to help me advance what I'm doing. But that helped me recognize it is important to Yes, I can get on stage and do my comedy and stuff, but when I'm touring, if I can, if I'm in a city and I can put another comedian on my show, get them on, pay them, you know, whenever I put project, do projects, make sure I get people and use those people over and over again so they can develop an audience for what they're doing. Um, it was a huge learning experience. I think I learned that when I was, when I first I don't think it's when I first got prime might've been through during a pandemic. For some reason, I just, I was like, okay, deaf comedy jam is on prime. So I'm about to study it. And I really looked back and I saw how different seasons they had different hosts and everything. But one thing I've noticed when, when Martin was on there, like, I'm not going to say every comedian, but a lot of, a lot of people that he, used and booked for the martin show came from dev comedy jam and i was like oh this is like mad important to like give them their opportunity because they're talented people they're your friends you want to work with your friends and you know they can deliver like it's so important to put on people that you know yeah you know um and again i think people who can't do that it is it's either one or two things. It is either extreme selfishness or it is an insecurity. Um, and mine's was comedy was the one of the one things in my life that is like, okay, this is where I shine at. When I show up and do this, this is me. This is mine. Nobody can take this from me. Mm -hmm. You know, so in all those other areas in my life where you know, maybe we would go out and all my friends would get all the cute boys or, you know, whatever, or, uh, you know, different areas of life people have. And it's like they have it all. Or it seems like they have it all. 
in my experience, my perception was that I did not, but comedy was the one thing when I walked up on that stage, I, and that was mine's, you know, that was mine's. And I didn't want anybody to take that from me. And so I, felt, I think I felt like sharing too much would take that away from me. Um, but I, you know, as far as um, some people are malicious, you know, some people will intentionally step on people to, you know, keep them down. I never did that. But it was like if I saw somebody else getting too much shine, I would be, I wouldn't say threatened by it, but it would be like, well, what about me? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 um, for sure. I don't, I never, my intention has never been to hurt anybody else. But I think, again, you you really have to to really believe so much in yourself that you can cheer, that you can cheer for other people. Yeah. Now, real quick, one thing I noticed on your uh, page is that you have a branding deal. How in the world did you get that? I don't think I've met anybody that had a branding deal. That's not selling their body on OnlyFans. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I think I did it because I wouldn't sell my body on OnlyFans. <laughs> um, I think, again, I'm very good at talking to people. I'm very good. Like, I, I, I pay attention to people. Like, I pay attention, even if it's a group, like, I'm there. And I think that uh, the people who run that saw me... And they thought I would be great for it. And they reached out to me and asked me to do it. And so I was like, okay, I'll do it. Now, I did almost forget as we wrap this up. Now, a couple of years ago, I was when I was researching you, I saw that you had, well, you were at a club or show and you got attacked on stage. Now, this is something that people are, you know, accepting i guess ever since the chris rock and will smith thing but let's be let's be for real this ain't the first time it won't be the last time it's happened to a comedian <laughs> what was that experience like and like what happened like <laughs> oh so so this particular incident happened four days before chris rock got slapped Ooh, okay. uh, and and like two or three weeks before Chappelle got tackled on stage and then We've just seen more and more comedians get beers and shit thrown at them and whatever. But um, I think this is the second time I've been attacked on stage. I was in Redding, California. I had been performing in Redding, California for about seven years annually at a uh, at a casino. And Redding, California is like the Mississippi of California. Oh. It's like red. It's Hickville, California. And so, but I had never had a problem performing there. Like the audience is a little, you know, you go up there, you got to, the, the contract that you got to perform for an hour. And so, you know, it can be a rocky one hour, but I like it because I always did the one hour. I would, it, like it was a personal challenge to get up there and make it yeah. through the one hour. So the last time I was there, which is uh, last March, uh, I was, uh, performing and it, the show was going good. I'm like, whoo, you know, you'd be up there, you'd be, if the audience is like, I don't know what the, what, I don't know what be wrong with them. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'd be looking at your watch like, whoo, all right, I done got through 40 minutes, 20 more minutes left. Woo. And, uh, but it was going good. It was going better than some of the other shows. So this woman was, was yelling out and, um, I saw her from my peripheral and I was like, this lady don't be quiet in here. So I kept doing my shit. She kept screaming out. So finally I was like, man, what is your problem? And she was like, you just so cute. And I'm like, well, thank you. And um, now shut up, I come over there and whoop your ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some people in the audience like a little bit of verbal abuse. And so when I said that, she laughed. And when she opened her mouth to ah, to cock her head back and laugh, she had, I lie to you not, Ty, three and a half teeth in her mouth. <laughs> you look like she'd be like snapping little donuts, a little chocolatey clears or something with her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so she, I, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> that. And it was like two here, three, 
and it was like a nub over here or something. You said a nub. <laughs> yeah, a nub. And and so I think I said something like that. So I was like, is that a nub? You got a nubby too? Smile again. And, um, you know, I said something like that. And I was like, oh, your smile real gummy. You know, so I'm just like, so you got three teeth. Now, what what is the half? Like, how did that happen? Did, were you biting something? Like, explain to the class why you had three and a half teeth in your mouth. She didn't like that. So she got up and she came to the stage and she's, you know, talking shit or whatever. And I'm like, okay, calm down. And so she's like, and I realized she was on drugs. So that's where that half a tooth went. It was the drugs. So, <laughs> so she's running around in front of the stage and whatever. And um, I just recognize, I'm not going to lie, I did antagonize her a little bit because she wouldn't leave me alone. I recognize that asking her about the, the amount of teeth in her mouth was a trigger for her. She would get, every time I would ask her that, yeah. She would go crazier. So I asked her again and she got mad. She got pissed. It was no longer funny to her. And she stormed off. She went to the back of the bar and this other woman came, I guess that was with her and started hugging her and consoling her. Now the woman was crying. <laughs> and, um, and I just stayed on that half a tooth. I was like, well, maybe if she cries hard enough, it's going to come out. So that woman that was holding on to her was like, fuck you, dude, your asshole, <laughs> this and that. And, and she, the lady had real big titties. So I said, you shut up coming up in here with the big old titties talking trash. And when I was doing that, there was this guy in the back who was also with them that I did not see, who came from the back of the bar. He came all the way up to the front of the stage, talking shit. He got on the stage, got this close in my face, and I put the microphone down. I was like, okay, you're not running me on my stage. And then he said something um, along the lines of, I'm going to whoop your ass, I'm going to whoop your black ass, or something like that, he said. And he um, he hit me he hit me in this jaw. And we fought. That's how, <laughs> that's how I know you from D.C. He's like, yeah, he hit me in my jaw and we fought. <laughs> yeah, we, we fought. <laughs> Hey man, you gotta do what you gotta do, man. You really do. You really do. Yeah, I haven't been attacked yet. And when that happened, to Chris Rock and Will, I was like, should I stop saying certain things? I was like, nah. Whatever happens, happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's comedy. It's to a point now. No matter what you say, somebody may get get upset. So, um, and you know, we're out. At, we aren't always at theaters. We're out at bars and stuff like that. And so. Anything yeah, can happen, so you just really just have to be aware and um, and try to be as safe as you can. Yeah, yeah. Now, Samson, as we wrap this up, man, what are like some words of encouragement or motivational? Uh, any motivation you can give to any comic listening to this right now? Oh, that's really simple. Be dedicated to your craft. Be committed to it. Love it. And when people hear the word love, you know they go. Um, when you hear the word love, oh, you think, oh, it's going to be a walk in the park. It's going to be beautiful. And love means commitment. It means commitment to growth. It means commitment to challenges. It means commitment to things, even when they don't feel so good. And there will be many times in your career where it won't feel good, where you'll be like, what the hell am I doing? This is not fun. <laughs> but love is knowing that you will always be able to grow through it, to meet challenges, to rise to challenges, to overcome those challenges. And as you do that, um, continually find new ways to, to be a better person. Because I think doing comedy, at least in my experience, has made me a much better person. And, um, you know, a better comedian. You understand people better. You understand the craft better. And, um, 
you just have to be committed to it. You know, don't do it because you want to be, I mean, sure you want people to know who you are, that's okay. But the first commitment has to be to excellence. You know, and so that's what, when, you, when people say, you know, commit to the craft, love the craft, that's what it's about. Samson, tell people why they should listen to comedians in bed. Oh, people should listen to comedians in bed because it is a black owned business. Okay. Uh, people should listen to comedians in bed because this is where honest conversations take place and people need a dose of honesty. Uh, especially in these times where people are more comfortable hearing what they want to hear. And what better way to get the truth than from comedians in bed telling the truth. <laughs> hey, man, man. Hey, tell people where they can find you at, Samson. Uh, Instagram, at Samson McCormick, uh, or you can go to SamsonComedy.com. And if you want to watch next week's episode, you can uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel at TYE Comedy. Or if you want to listen to this on the audio version, you can check out this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm in year three, trying to get to year 22. He's in year 22, trying to get to year 40. But either way, we're going to make it. All right. <laughs> we had Samson McCormick on the show. Everybody, please give him a follow. We appreciate you. And we'll see you guys next week.